Happy Monday afternoon, everyone. Thanks for listening to a post-mortem episode of the Gwinnett Sports Podcast. This is Taylor Dimon alongside David Friedlander. Dave, it's a weird, weird uh, week we're starting. It's our first week without football. First time in 19 years uh, that Gwinnett County will not be preparing for a state championship game. The, the, yeah, uh, 1999, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, 19 years, 20 seasons, if you want to go. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, the post-mortem, that's a pretty good way to, to put it, I guess. Uh uh, the, uh, word I, the term I used in the uh, follow-up story that's running uh, online right about now is Black Friday. I guess it's the different kind of Black Friday. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, so if you are not uh, in the uh, loop, Gwinnett County had three football teams entering the – or in the uh, semifinals, the GHSA semifinals, two in Class 6A, one in Class 7A, and uh, zero emerged as uh, contenders for state champions. So uh, we've got – uh, kind of just dissecting these games a lot of different ways. The one that you and I, of course, were covering was Decula. That was the only one in the county. Another one happened in Leesburg. That was Lanier losing to Lee County. And then a pretty gut-wrenching one in Moultrie, uh, where I think in three meetings uh, with uh, Colquitt County, in, all were in either the semifinals, semifinals or, or, or the finals one, in 2014. There was one championship game, yeah. yeah. Uh, Archer has lost by a combined 10 points to Colquitt yeah. County. Uh, as you saw against North Gwinnett, a lot right. of teams are lucky not to lose by 45 points. Right. So uh, that Ar- Ar- Archer has a good approach when it comes to, yeah. uh, or at least Coach Dyer, when it comes to uh, attacking rush probes and uh, those Colquitt County teams, but came up uh, short on a blocked extra yeah. point in overtime. At least defensively, yeah. And, and we'll get into the more specifics of that. But, yeah, there, there might be a defensive – Template, of course, you guys also got to have the talent defensively that Archer's had the last couple of years. That that really helps too. But uh, but yeah, maybe there's some sort of template there. Yeah, um, we can uh, kind of delve into the details in these games real fast. But let's kind of start with the game that you and I were both at, and we both witnessed a uh, game in which um, Decula uh, loses to Northside Warner Robins. That was a fourteen to seven score, in which. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. 14 points in the fourth or in the first, first quarter. quarter for Northside Warner Robins, and then um, the Culos defense does kind of what it has the entire season. Uh, shuts out uh, Northside Warner Robins for the final three quarters. Got a late touchdown and went for an onside kick. A little bit over two minutes there. You know, we talked to Coach Jenkins, and we'll hear some audio from him after the game. There's, I would think, I was saying in the press box that they can kick it deep there. Right. And if you kick the ball deep with a little more than two minutes left and you get a stop, you have better field position. Um, obviously, it became moot because right. Northside Warner Robins got a first down. They only needed one because Tequila was out of timeouts. At right, that point. And, and that's the thing, as you know, Coach Jenkins will point out, that's what he uh, mentioned in, when we talked to him after the game was that was a big reasoning, the fact that they had uh, burned through all their timeouts before uh, they even scored. Uh, and, and then we'll go into it a little bit more. There was also the fact that they, when they finally did get on the board, there was only 2:42 left. They actually could have scored earlier. They had the ball first and first and goal, I believe, uh, and it took them three plays to get in. And without timeouts, when there wasn't an incomplete pass, there was the clock kept running. Yeah, uh, and I think the play before they scored was uh, sort of a zone read or halfback dive right. sort of thing that they actually got, ticked off a lot of time. Right, and it looked like he was going to get in, but you know, credit to the uh, to the north side. Uh, I think it was a linebacker who, who shot up through the gap and and got him right before he got to the goal line. 
and it took him a good thirty seconds or so to you know to 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 get re- reset and and get their play called, and and that's thirty valuable seconds they could have used. Well, let's hear from uh, what Clint, Clint Jenkins had to say after the game, um, and then also a little audio. There is a someone watching uh, a player named Jalen Perry in the stands, uh, and his name is Jim Harbaugh. If you don't know who that is, that's the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines football team, which is going to be playing in a New Year's Six Bowl uh, as the number seven team in the country this year. So uh, let's hear some audio from Coach Jenkins and uh, uh, from Jalen. Yeah, you know, we, we, we did. We got in the hole early. We, we you know, had, had kind of a missed assignment on a coverage down here that, that set up the touchdown. And, and we, we, you know, we had the interception down deep that kind of, you know, kind of put us in the hole early. We just felt like if we could flip the field on them, which we, it was kind of a tale of two halves. They had, they had the field position in the first half, and, you know, we kind of kept them, you know, it would, they, we had field position in the second half, and it just it's difference in, in one score here, you know. Uh, in your first year as head coach, could you have asked for a big senior class like the one you have right now that's leaving? Just, I'm mean, so proud of these seniors and what they've done, and, and, and that's one of the things I told all of them. I mean, you know, uh, Final Four appearance, and, uh, you know, they're, they're man, I, I tell you, I, I love them all, and, and boy, they, they, they fought their guts out for us. Kind of just sum up what you and your, your brothers have been able to do this year for legendary season for Decula. Yeah, we had a great season. It was a, a legendary season for Decula. Um, obviously, we wanted to get this one tonight, but we fell a little bit short, but I'm so um, I'm so proud of these guys. Uh, you know, the effort we put in all season, the, um, you know, we, we haven't gotten to the semifinals since 2005, so that's a great accomplishment. And, you know, I'm proud for, you know, Coach Jenkins in his first year to make it this far and for all these seniors, too. I've been playing for, with them for a long time, so I'm proud of all those guys. How did you guys regroup at halftime there? I mean, that was just huge effort by you guys to really kind of change the momentum. Yeah, we came out, um, you know, with a few mistakes in the first half, and, you know, you, you can't make mistakes and play off football. So at halftime, the message was just, you know, cut down the mistakes and just keep playing, you know, act like the score was 0-0. And mm-hmm. that's what we did. We came out in the second half, and, you know, we fell a little bit short, but we, we, we fought hard. We fought hard. What did it mean for you? I'm sure you know Coach Hobart was in the crowd tonight. What did it mean for you for him to come down here and watch you play? Oh, it was amazing um, to have a, a, a head coach like Coach Harbaugh at Michigan to come come watch your game. It's amazing. Um, you know, I'm so happy for for my family to be able to, you know, be sit with him during the game and just, just um, you know, proud of everything we've done this season. And, you know, it was cool to see Coach Harbaugh here for my last high school game. Um, just going back to the game, you've got really the – Field position was what sort of doomed Decula early. And in my notebook, I had a section where I sort of detailed right. this. Early plays in which Northside had a short field, they mm-hmm. converted and they scored. Uh, then later in the game when Northside had to span the field and drive, granted Northside did a good job of converting on some con- converting some first downs on some late down plays, uh, but... And that, that ultimately their ability to run out the clock. I think they right. attempted one pass in the second half. But ultimately that really killed Decula. And we kind of saw that Decula might have been the better team in this case just for because of total yardage. I think they were outgained by maybe 14 or yes. 16 yards. But 
you know, so much of that came from the scores that were on short in the first fields early in Absolutely. the game. Absolutely, and it, one of them was was off of a turnover at, at the Decula eighteen. Yeah, yeah, the eighteen off a deflected pass. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I, if I remember correctly, uh, it was off of might have been off of his own offensive lineman, uh, or maybe it was a, maybe a defensive lineman got a hand up, but there was a ball that was batted up in the air and comes down and, and Northside gets it at the Decula eighteen, and like three plays later, they're they're in. The other one, like you said, they got off of a punt after they had been punted deep, so they, they were get, the Northside was getting the ball on inside Decula territory, so. I mean, hats off to them. You got to got to take care of that uh, situation. You got to cash in when you get those situations. It took Decula three or four of those situations before they finally scored in the in the second half, uh, including a play where I believe it was a fourth and two at at the north side six that they couldn't convert when they tried to, to pass instead of uh, you know just looking for the first down. So I mean, there are all sorts of different situations there, but uh, but yeah, field position was was a huge factor in this game. Yeah. Um... And the Kilo's offense was sort of searching for answers for most of the game, oh, yeah. with the exception of on its scoring drive, it had a lot of success. And I think, I'm, if I'm remembering, they converted a fourth down. At least one, at least one fourth down, and I think there were like two or three third downs also. The, but the underneath passing, you've got throws to um, uh, Christopher, Christopher Chris Scott. Scott and uh, Jalen Perry underneath, uh, you right. know, running deep out routes towards the sticks and. That worked, and it's hard to say, like, where was that the entire game? Because what Decula had done up to that point was setting up right. them being able to convert those plays. Also, Northside doesn't really care if Decula scores if it ticks enough time right, off the clock. Exactly. So it's possible Northside is giving them those underneath plays, uh, or at least trying to keep them in bounds. At, at some points, Decula was able to get out of bounds, which was huge because it was already out of timeouts. Right, point. and the, the, of course, it all comes down also to the running game because if you look, I believe it was something like 32, 33 yards that Northside held Decula to, and they're usually a lot better running team than that. So you got to you know give some credit to the Northside defense, and that probably paid a it played a big part in the decision on that, especially on that fourth and two play that we were referencing earlier when they took a shot at the end zone instead of, of trying to run and get the first down that may have been why because because let's face it Dekula was not having a whole lot of of, of uh success running the ball particularly between the tackles uh although Kyle Effort had a very good night the few times he was able to to touch the ball uh, but they 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 really swallowed up Trenton Jones and, and the rest of the uh the running game just big time. Yeah, so uh, 17 rushes for 32 yards yeah. for Decula. So, that's, yeah, so that, 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 that's, that's, that's a big difference in the ballgame right there. Um, but one thing I was kind of impressed with uh, was how tough it was for uh, Jaden Daniels, uh, yeah. the uh, Northside quarterback, uh, yeah. quarterback uh, 48 yards on 17 carries. That's pretty good. He's their leader, leading passer and rusher this year. So they yeah. were really able to kind of – you know, stuff him in the second but, half, but like we said, it was those it was those early downs. Yeah. Uh, Zachary Hill and um, uh, the other the Jaquilas other running back Eric Smith were really you know influential in those sco- scoring drives in the first quarter, and that you know they eventually had a much tougher time. Right. Um, Northside had well, 154 yards on 45 carries, so really just kind of stuck to what was working in the second half, even if it wasn't 
necessarily getting you first downs, but you're taking time off, and that's all you have to do. And right. it worked. And and when I would talk with uh, Northside's coach, I believe his name is uh, Coach Kinsler, uh, after the game, he mentioned those two early scores were big because it probably took Dekula out of their game plan a little bit offensively. Um, that plus the fact that they were doing a pretty good job for the most part against the run early, but you get down two scores and and you got to start you know throwing the ball to be able to the and. and Particularly the way they did it, because even with the short fields, they did it primarily on the ground, and they chewed up a lot of time. Also, and you know, all of a sudden you look up, you're down fourteen nothing, and you're already midway through the second quarter. I mean, that that kind of changes a lot of what you have to do, and and that was a, that was something that uh, north the uh, north side coaching staff really kind of pointed to as as a big factor. Yeah, look at um, seven pass attempts for north side. Versus 33 for Dekula. And, uh, you know, Dekula had 168 passing yards, but I think we were trying to calculate roughly 60 to 70 on the last drive, maybe even more than that because they had to span. Was it that drive or was it the one that they they came up short in in the red zone? Because there there were two big pass plays. I remember, I can't remember whether it was that drive or the one that they actually had turned it over on. I remember a big one to Chris Scott that was. uh, There was like a 38 yard. Right, a 38 yard to Chris Scott and I think a 25 yard to Perry. Yeah, and uh, but so, that accounts for you know yeah a, a huge chunk of your passing yard. Yeah, at least there. a third right there. Yeah. So, um, but for Dekula, he's going to miss a lot of guys on that defense next year. Yeah. The good news is you've got a, a really mature, experienced quarterback coming back That's, in Jarrett Jenkins, who really sort of proved himself to be one of the county's elite passers this year. Mm-hmm. Um, even in crunch time, right there, you saw him, you know, completing with some consistency. When, admittedly, he struggled at the beginning, was tr- really struggling to complete some passes, but he kind of overcomes that, stands in the pocket, makes some good throws, um, and then another guy coming back, Trenton Jones, the running back, is a big returning. Absolutely, for, absolutely, uh, two two big play guys, and let's give some credit to to you know Jared Jenkins also on the read. They finally, to finally get them in the end zone it was a effect. I think it was a it was a third down, third and goal. I think. Yeah. Uh, they they had one From incomplete two, pass, so. and then the one that where he got stuffed at the line, and he get, and it just a really nice read on, on a bootleg to get him in the end zone to finally get every on the board and, and keep some hope alive. Yeah, and that was and at the time that game's far from over. You know, yeah, I mean, they, it was still two and a half minutes, off, and we don't know what they're going to do yet if they're going to try to onside kick yeah. or or not. But uh, that you know that was that was very huge, um, and just scoring, you know, just being able to right. so, sort of say, all right, that drive's done, let we can move on and. With the time that we have left, uh, let's we can keep it in Class Six A for a game that was a little more lopsided. But uh, for a season for Lanier, that's one historic, the by far the longest playoff run that Lanier football team has ever had in program history. Uh, but a forty-two to seven loss to Lee County and that Lee County team that yeah has already beat Northside this year. Um, the Northside and Lee County are rivals and um, are region rivals and. Um, it seems like Lee County is going for its second consecutive uh, state championship here. But, yeah. uh, uh, you know, Lanier kind of gets behind uh, early. That gives up 14 points in the first quarter. And one of them, I think, set up by a, by a, uh, a high snap on a punt that kind of set uh, Lee County up on the on like the one or two yard line. So that's, I mean, you put yourself in that kind of hole, that's that's okay. never a good thing. Lee County returned a fumble for a touchdown right. on that one too. So that, that's how the first quarter started. Uh, then, you know, you should kind of give a little credit to Lanier. To go, they're down 21 to nothing, and then Lanier scores a uh, big long run for Taj Barnes, 68 yards, and then 
uh, Lee County just kind of comes back again, and they're just able to put together these long, long drives right. together and just kind of uh, churn out yards. And, yeah, and it's that sequence that really was the difference there because, I mean, they get the score to get back to within 21-7, and, you know, if you go into halftime, even that, I mean, if you get a score, even better, but if you go into the halftime getting the last score down two touchdowns, I mean, you got to think there's there's a shot, but then you know they they uh, Bleak County winds up scoring, I believe, with 11 seconds left to go in the half, and and you know that's that's in the playoffs, momentum is is magnified, and that and there you go, just you have, instead of going in down two uh, touchdowns with a, a shot, and all of a sudden you're down three scores, and you know, the task just got a lot harder. Yeah, one thing, and you know, head coach Corey Mob says the score is probably not going to show the kind of battle that Linear had right. here, but. Um, it's not easy when you go down 14 points to sort of muster up the will to come back and try to come back here in a game, especially against a really decisive uh, defending state champ like Lee County. But it is a game when you, this is the game of football is like this, where you take away a couple plays where, you know, a bad snap or a fumble here, uh, that, you know, it's a different game and, you know, Lee Lee County doesn't get those early points and we can see, You know, I think even after we saw that they were down uh, 28-7, we kind of keep an eye on this pretty closely because Lanier comes back and, and, you know, I think, yeah, if you talk about a 14-point deficit at at halftime, that's one thing, but a 21-point deficit is totally different. And, uh, yeah, Lee County's defense looks ridiculously tough, so good luck to Northside Warner Robins there. (laughs) I think it already knows what it's in for. They play them, they're in the same region, so yeah, I think they got a pretty good idea. <laughs> um, so let's shift now to the uh, Class 7A game, a game that, uh, you know, I've watched North Gwinnett play a few times this year. North Gwinnett got crushed by Colquitt County right. coming, the game prior to this, uh, in the prior uh, playoff round. Archer coming in, I knew Archer's defense was really good, and... Uh, frankly, I thought that North Gwinnett's was pretty good too, right. and it gave up a lot of points, so I was thinking... Okay, well, if maybe Archer's defense can keep it keep it, the Tigers in the game, but I thought in no way that this would be a one point, let alone an overtime game right. uh, that Archer would go into. And I have to just straight up confess that I was wrong about that. Archer yeah. really kind of hangs with Colquitt for the entire game. Yeah, it, it just goes to show you, and, and I've heard this about boxing many years. Uh, people have talked about this in boxing, but it's really true about a lot of sports. Matchups matter. Uh, and, and it's all about matchups because there are. You look at, for instance, how Archer struggled against Grayson for, for you know, for whatever reason this year, and and Grayson you know, was got handled by Colquitt. So the, again, you go to the to the transitive properties, but for some reason, the, you know, certainly through the last previous two uh, uh, meetings, and especially the, the last two. Um, just something about Archer that they match up very well with with Colquitt, at least this this group anyway. And you saw it on the field. I mean, they were they were right there. They you know, just a couple of things with the kicking game, um, and and just offensively or whatever. They just weren't able to, to get it done. But they're they're right there. Yes, if we can kind of go back. Um... First of all, in the overtime, Colquitt scores first, and they score pretty quickly. Right. Um, even we were following the game on Twitter while we were covering our game, and we saw um, – I don't think we actually knew the results, actually, when we went down to the field right. to talk to, to, inter- to for interviews, but we found out when we came back. Um, the, you know, Colquitt gets the ball first in overtime, right. scores pretty decisive, and um, 
you know, we're hearing a lot that the game's over, that it was like, or even like that they, that, uh, Colquitt had won like late in regulation. When you look at things on Twitter, you have to kind of sift through the crap to get to what's actually right. Um, but Archer answered. So Archer is able to sort of come back and, you know, Samaje Banks scores on a three yard touchdown, uh, makes it 22 to 21. And then, uh, just, you know, tough little sequence and, um, the, uh, or let's see, I mean, that would, that would have been their set back-to-back games in overtime right. for Archer. So Samaje Banks ran in the game winner prior, but with Archer getting the ball last on this one, the blocked right. extra point kind of doomed him there. And that's it. And again, something we've gone back to, it, it, it goes back to the opening game of the season with, with Archer when they had trouble in the kicking game, uh, two missed extra points and a missed field goal. Obviously, we weren't there, so we don't know exactly what happened, whether it was issues with the snap, with the hold, with the kick, with the protection maybe, or maybe a little something of everything or any combination there. But uh, never let it be said. And, and anybody who wants to, to make fun of kickers and, and you know, how they you know, only come out for you know, one or two plays a game, they matter. Yeah. And and no, and it wasn't just the kicks, the, the blocked extra point either. I mean, you look at basically that kicker kept Colquitt in the game, got them two overtime with five field goals, and they, none of them were cheapies either. Because I, w- I was looking at the box score, three of them were for forty or, or, or forty yards or longer, and including a fifty yarder and a fifty five yarder. Uh, I mean, that's that's a weapon right there. Yeah, um, if you want to know about how special teams can change a game, look at uh, the SEC championship. Yes, absolutely. When, you know, you t- you put three points on the score, it doesn't change the outcome of the game. But if you see a guy like you know, if if players see their kicker, you know, putting it putting himself on the line there for his team, that's that's pretty inspiring. You know, that's absolutely. a guy who's you know, uh, you know, just having to go go out and gut it out. Uh, and have all that pressure on him, right. and then he's able to deliver. That's going to inspire Colquitt there. Yeah. I think that that probably plays into it. And that's and that's probably why most of these, most teams, uh, in fact, I'm thinking it's probably universal. Beginning of the year in practices, and sometimes during the season, they'll have come down to right near the end of practice, and they'll set it up for a, a field goal uh, for a kicker to try and kick a field goal to simulate you know a late game thing. Okay, if he makes it. We don't have to run. Practice is over. If we do, then 10 laps or whatever. That's probably a, a reason a lot of these coaches do drills like that in order to, you know, to simulate as best you can a pressure situation like that for the, for the kicking game. Um, in other news, a really efficient game for Carter Peavy, 15 of 19 yeah. passing for 198 yards. Braylon Weems had a great last game for Archer, 113 yards receiving on five catches. Samaje Banks. 62 yards on 14 carries. So uh, all in all, we kind of look at the, you know, we kind of analyze the brackets here as we were doing a few minutes ago, and we kind of wonder what could have been. We've got a uh, class, class A private that probably is going to Elka. Yeah. I mean, they put up 70 yeah. points on Savannah Christian, the team that knocked out Hebron. There was a, that was a scenario where we were like, wow, you know, Hebron beat Savannah, uh, this is actually pretty, you yeah. know, interesting how long their run could have potentially been. Yeah, and considering how close that game was, yeah. too. I mean, 
but when you get Elka in the semifinals, it's just it's pretty rough. <laughs> or, or pretty much any round for that yeah. matter. And that's Prince, a loaded team. Prince Avenue advanced to the semifinals. That's the team that yeah. knocked out Wesleyan. And uh, that was a much closer game. That was a 28-21 to 21 game. Uh, I mean, a loss to Athens Academy. I mean, well, you, you look at the you know both of those teams, Athens Academy, Prince Avenue, are, are both really good teams, and it's... Kind of hard still to imagine either one of them being able to you know to match up for four full quarters with with Elka. I think you know that that could be a, a pretty good game, uh, at least for you know in, well into the third quarter. But I, I just think Elka's probably just got too much uh, too much depth and too much talent. Um, the one that I'm not sure that we could have seen an outcome, or at least it's tough for me. Uh, uh, in Class 3A, you got on GAC's side of the bracket. Lost to Westminster would have had to play Peach County in, in the right. uh, third round, which would have been a rematch of the semifinals mm-hmm. last year. In the last two years, actually. In Peach yeah. County's going to the state championship now after winning a revenge game against yeah. Calhoun. If you know how that game ended, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm sure Peach County had that on their mind when yep. they're playing that game. A touchdown that was... A touchdown that was taken back. back. They right? said he was uh, was it down or was it out of back? I don't even remember the circumstance. I just remember there was a replay that apparently showed that the touch touchdown should have counted. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah. And uh, so that costs uh, Peach County the state championship. They beat Calhoun, the team right. that beat them in the championship game last year. They've got a tough test though with Cedar Grove. Uh, some good players. One guy named Jaden Hazelwood. Over yeah, there that, that's, again, that's a, a team that we've been seeing the last two years has been very, very tough. That would have uh, that would have been a tough road for GAC, even if they had beat yeah. Westminster. Well, uh, that, that that whole that whole classification was loaded this year. That whole top ten when you you, you throw in those teams, we talked about Westminster. We talked about Benedictine. I mean, that's. You know, those are some pretty heavyweights right there. Benedictine's a brutal, brutal team to play, and and, and they got hit, got shut out by Cedar Grove. Grove so. Yeah, so that, that gives you an idea of how how good that classification was. I think the one that we're going to say we're going to wonder what could have been the most is in Class Five A, where Bainbridge, the team that upset Buford, is going to the state championship now to play Warner Robins. I think we probably would have predicted a Rome and Buford. Yeah, uh, and that's see, that's the one that that makes us all go, "What the lie? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, because yeah. I mean, neither Warner neither Robins one of them not necessarily shocking. That's a defending runner-up from right. last year, but um, but to have neither Buford nor Rome, yeah, I mean, that's that's a that's departure a from what we've seen the last few weeks. But Bainbridge beat uh, Stockbridge by a point, twenty to nineteen. So. Um, yeah, you just gotta kind of wonder what could have been for Buford there. With, with all due respect to the uh, to the folks in, in Middle Georgia there in, in Warner Robins here, but uh, you kind of got to latch on to a, 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 an underdog like like Bainbridge has been at the uh, five law the, a, a nine and five, kind of like Northside Warner Robins. Uh, but I believe they were something like one and four or something like that. Uh, Bainbridge to start the year and, and to really turn it on like that, they they. You got to give them a lot of credit. You got to like their 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 feistiness. Yeah, and then Class Six A, of course, you've got Lee County and Northside Warner Robins, and Class Seven A, it's Colquitt County against Milton. So that kind of adds another piece of intrigue. If Archer would have won, this would have been right. a rematch of the Corky Kell Classic. That right. I think now, looking back, we all think Archer maybe could you know was a much better team, or is currently a much better but, team. Yeah, definitely a much better team now than they were yeah. then. Uh, but uh, Archer had lost that game. Also puts in perspective to a game that Milton won in round one, won twenty eight to nineteen against South Gwinnett, which <coughs> now you know, given that Milton is uh, you know 
Lowndes gave up 28 points to Northern this week. So that's kind of an interesting take on how South Carolina's yeah. season went. Obviously playing in that really brutal Region 8, but had right. a tough matchup and was able to score 19 points. That's a closer game than Lowndes had against Milton. Absolutely. Um, and I have a little perspective on Milton because I saw them, I believe, the following week against Mill Creek. Uh a team that that could give Colquitt some you know, it could be interesting just because you got a, a quarterback there very dynamic not only with his arm but with his legs uh, in Jordan Yates a, a Georgia Tech commit um, which will be real interesting to see what will happen with a new coaching staff coming and whether or not they keep the triple option because right? they they play more of a read option type uh, deal and. Um, and it's somebody who can make some plays. He's got some really good receivers, a couple of really uh, good ones. Um, that could be could be an interesting one. Yeah, I would like to see how he sort of fits in uh, future Georgia Tech. And, of course, a couple of guys over there that, uh, you know, one Malachi Carter from uh, yeah. Mountain View who already played a pretty big part for, in Georgia Tech season this year. And then uh, some guys sort of hidden back in the depth chart at, yeah. at A and B back. Yeah, Christian particularly Malloy. Christian Malloy. Because yeah. uh, it would be real interesting to see if they decide to go with somebody who's from the, like the Paul Johnson tree who's going to keep the, the option or whether they go a, a, a different direction because it could you know affect where he plays. Um so yeah, that, that, there's that, and then, and then of course, you know, defensively, they got a couple of guys over there, you know, Gwinnett kids over there too. Uh, I believe David Curry comes back next year. Uh, I believe Henri Sainte-Amour was a senior this year, so he I think was, yeah. yeah. So again, something to keep an eye on. But uh, this is a, this is the Gwinnett Football Podcast, not the Georgia Tech Podcast. Yes, but, exactly. Uh, that'll be our, this is our last football episode of the year, so we'll kind of shift into basketball and we'll figure out how that's going to be formatted. Maybe yeah. we'll kind of shift to once a week, sort of recapping right. the, the previous week's games and. Uh, a, because we'll have boys and girls right. games to go off of here. So we can pack a lot into one episode and we right. can kind of keep it. So stay, stay subscribed and we'll keep having, uh, we'll keep episodes in your feed here. But uh, until next August, uh, or I guess we'll may get another episode in the summer, a football episode once camps and right. we start coming up with previews here, but uh, that'll be it for football. So let's uh, shift to hoops season. Uh, it's been a good football season and uh, you know, Hats off to all the teams that, uh, you know, made the playoffs, made it this far, and uh, good luck to those teams that did not make the playoffs for uh, better luck next year. To uh, get Everyone's at square one now. We're all back to the same place, or at least maybe after Tuesday or the 11th and uh, before the 10th we, and 11th. Before we go, did we, ever, did we ever uh, touch on the, the coaching change at Buford? Well, so uh, Coach, uh, Coach John Ford is officially out at uh, right. Buford. That's after two seasons. I think he was twenty-one and five overall, yeah. but the big thing was, uh, uh, yeah. you know, didn't reach the semifinals for the first time since two thousand six, I believe. Right. Um, so it's it's about how you finish in the playoffs if you're at Buford. Yeah, that's that. The, the standards are very high, you know, really all around the county, but especially at a place like Buford. So um, we're kind of monitoring some rumors there. Some, you know, there's some a lot of different ways that Buford can go here. Uh, not to not really anything to necessarily spread, but there's some guys that they're courting. Right. There's maybe a possibility. There's a plenty yeah. of candidates yeah. in house that they could go with. Yeah, they could. They certainly won't, won't be lacking for candidates. The question is whether or not they decide to go outside 
the current staff like they did the last time or, or keep it in-house this time. Uh, it would be a real interesting decision for uh, for athletics director uh, Tony Wolf over there and, of course, Dexter Wood, the, who basically switched jobs with, with Tony here over the offseason. So it would be real interesting to see uh, how they approach uh, the new hire. Yeah, it's Will, and so we'll keep an eye on that. And uh, there's nothing in a basketball episode that we can't just insert about a quick coach hire. But uh, you can read uh, Dave's game recap about the Decula game. Uh, or you can read my notes from Decula. We have a, kind of a bit of a tribute to Clint Jenkins at the beginning, just the kind of the amount of respect his players have for him after stepping in for one season Absolutely. or in his first season here, nearly going to a state championship. Um, talked a little bit about the early momentum shifts for Northside Warner Robins, and then uh, kind of got Jalen Perry's thoughts on his uh, new de- destination at Michigan. Uh, and the fact that Coach Harbaugh was there to watch him. You can also read Dave's follow-up on uh, GwinnettPrepSports.com. We've got some comments from uh, all of our uh, semifinalists uh, who got knocked out. And uh, kind of a pretty historic weekend for Gwinnett in uh, kind of the wrong way here. Mm-hmm. But uh, seems like the kind of it seems like we're kind of starting a, starting a new streak here. Right. And, and Andy Dyer, uh, the coach at Archer, probably summed it up the best when uh, he mentioned about looking at the his team's game in perspective i'm going to try and get it as close to verbatim as i can he, he said something to the effect of you know it's like i told the kids uh, whenever you uh, put your heart and soul into something there's always a chance you're going to get your heart ripped out it's a, but the ride's worth it and yeah. that's that that pretty much sums up it's worth the sport. risk worth the risk that's what, yeah. that's how we put it and that's you know that pretty much sums up you know football and specifically and, and sports in general yeah. Uh, well, thanks for risking uh, your ears on our podcast, and we'll keep going with uh, – we'll see our first basketball episode next week. Thanks.